going to be preaching tonight on the subject of fruitfulness. And I want to uh, take a few moments tonight as we begin to delve into the Scripture and begin to study the Word of God together tonight. Years ago, as I was working in a company, uh, we dealt with a number of clients uh, who essentially were uh, uh, some of the major companies in Malaysia. And uh, these uh, were, some of them were big, large corporations, some were small, medium enterprises. Uh, but while I was working there, there were a few things I learned in that period of time. And in the early months of my job, I began to pick up a number of the trades. I learned a few things along the way. But in that, in that moment of time, I, being new to the task and the job that was put before me, I always made an attempt uh, to find out from my superiors, uh, to find out from the people that were above me, my leaders, and also the people that I was under, to gain their opinion and insight on what I needed to do. There was a company that I was working with, and uh, I was doing a follow-up with this company. This company had been contacted by another individual in the, in the office. And uh, I called this company up, and lo and behold, this guy who we were, co we were colleagues, and he said, you know what, you can, you can go ahead, contact them. Uh, these were the details he provided me with. He said they wanted, to, they wanted to send this number of people, they wanted to enroll this number of people, so on and so forth. And so when I called this lady up, she immediately said, oh, you know what, I'm going to send this number of people instead. And that was a leap above what was initially uh, um, um, decided upon. That was a leap, that was a jump. And at that moment of time, without bothering to even seek any advice or any counsel, I decided to just go ahead and conclude the deal. Later on, there was some form of chaos. Uh, in the office, needless to say, this man uh, became upset. He began to say, you know, how dare you take the deal and so on and so forth. And obviously at that point in time, the office looked at the entire scenario and they said, no, what you did was right. There was nothing wrong because essentially this person had agreed to only send this number of people. But when you spoke to them, this number of people in fact. And so long story short, because of my conviction as a Christian, I pulled this man aside and I simply told him, when they pay me my commission, I will give everything back to you. I will not take a cent from this deal. And that was the, on the only reason I did that was because I was a Christian and I wanted to keep my testimony. And I can tell you, beloved, at moments like that, I reflect on the decisions that have been made. Times that we have said, God, we are going to do right irregardless of how I feel. One thing God has taught me in all of that is two things here. Number one, how much and how necessary it is for us to realize that we are not that smart. A lot of times people have this pride that exists in them that they know everything in life there is to know. 
I realized that reliance was so necessary that I needed to learn to rely and ask questions and not pretend like I knew it all. That could have protected me, possibly, but also God began to show me how important it was to trust Him. One of the great lessons we will always intend, God will always intend for us to learn is reliance. Life will always have its share of ups and downs, seasons of drought, seasons of blessing. And often the main lesson God is teaching us involves surrender and reliance. And the scripture we're about to read reveals this to us in John 15, 1 through 5. The Bible says, I am the true wine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing." So Jesus uses a metaphor of a tree to describe our relationship with Him. And the simple anatomy of how a tree grows into fruitfulness. You, 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 you realize that the main feature Jesus emphasizes here is the word that's constantly repeated, the word abide. The branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. A principle that Jesus is establishing. That principally speaking, Jesus is referring to the grape wine. He's referring to a grape tree. And the tree that he speaks about reveals that when there's no wine, when there is no vine that runs from the root of the tree to the system of the entire tree, then there can be no branches. A tree with no vine, but has branches, doesn't exist. And it will obviously look weird and look odd. Most trees will have its vine and its branches. And so Jesus in this text then is teaching us on the subject of reliance and how important it is for a person to rely on God in other words, you and I cannot survive life without Jesus. That it is through the life-giving vine that the branch receives its nutrients that in turn produces growth and health. It is through the vine this evening that the growth of the tree becomes 
it begins to flourish. It is through the vine this evening that the tree becomes fruitful. And so this is established in our text that when Jesus is the life-giving vine and when our lives are attached to Him, when our lives abide in Him, it produces growth and fruits. In essence, you and I know we can live this life without God. We know that's possible. We know that there are multitudes of people who don't even have a relationship with God. We know there are multitudes of people who are not even believers. We know that there are atheists that live around us. We know that there are rebellions uh, 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 existing that surrounds us. We know that there is... There are people, indeed, who live life without God. But when you look at their life, as beautiful as they may paint their life to be, there is always something missing and odd about that picture. Life is meant to be lived in reliance to God. It is an innate need in all of us to be reliant. Immaterial of how independent we are. Immaterial of how much we know. You and I were made to depend. You and I were made to rely. You and I, you and I will have to learn whether by natural or choice this evening, we depend on God. The breath that we breathe, the hands that we work with, the legs that we walk with, all of that, beloved, we are not given the choice that is naturally done. We depend on God for the function of our nervous system. We depend on God on everything that operates in our body. Our body naturally relies and depends on God. If it doesn't, there will be no life. You are breathing right now. You are alive right now because your life is dependent on God and God being the life-giving vine is producing and releasing to you sufficiency to live life. And when we realize that naturally when the choice isn't, you can't walk out and say, you know what, uh, I don't want to receive uh, uh, breathe my breath or air from God. I want to get it from someone else. You, you can't do that. You, you, can't, you can't tell your body, oh, you know, today I'm not going to operate in this way. Uh, I'm not going to depend on God. I'm going to just function like a robot. I'm going to put a battery in. and You can't. Your life naturally depends on God. Whether you like it or don't, everything that functions and works through us comes from the vine. So now the question then, the Bible says he is the true vine. That is the opening statement of our passage, which leads me to the question, who or what is your wine? Who provides you with life? Who do you depend on? Do you depend on a human being? Do you depend on a person? Do you depend on your money? Are you depending on your success? 
Who does your life really depend on? Naturally, it has to depend on God. You cannot buy air. You cannot buy a nervous system. But by choice, who do you depend on? So which leads me then to how reliance produces fruitfulness. See, the virtue of choosing to consciously and deliberately rely on God brings fruitfulness. When you choose to say, God, I'm depending, I'm relying on you, God. When you make that deliberate choice in life, when you choose to solidly make the conscious decision, that choice that you make brings fruitfulness. That's where life begins to flourish. Jesus presents this to his disciples. In verses 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. So the reality, the principle of fruitfulness hinges on this truth of reliance. That a person who truly relies on God, watch their life. You will see the blessing and the fruit of God that surround them. You will see that there is a change in their life. You would see more of Christ in them because there is a natural, a choice by choice decision to be dependent on God. And it is where barrenness is broken. It is where barrenness is eliminated. The Bible says in verses 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch, every uh, branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So the Bible tells us God cuts and trims. For what purpose? So that you can bear fruits. And what does it mean? This, in, this involves God cutting away personality. God cutting away character. Attitudes in us. God cutting things away from our minds. God cutting bondages that hold us in hostage. God cutting away behaviors. God beginning to remove things from our lives that ultimately hinder our intimacy with Him. What does abiding simply describe? It simply describes intimacy with God. When you are abiding with God, when you are abiding, when you are reliant on God, when you are solely given to God, solely surrendered to God, that produces intimacy. Being reliant essentially draws us closer to God. I can tell you that nothing means more to God than our relationship with Him. That what God really cares the most about is my relationship with Him. 
That if there is something that will get in the way of my relation, my character, my attitude, my behavior, God will allow me to go through seasons. God will allow me to go through moments in life of pruning and cutting away. God will allow circumstances to be present in our lives so that He can remove those areas from us. And when He can remove those areas from us, He can draw closer to us. God has no problems breaking us to make us reliant. Why? Because reliance leads to fruitfulness. We must grow. There must be fruits. This is the evidence of a Christian. You've heard me preach over the past month on the characters, the characteristic of the Christian, the nine characteristic of a Christian. And we as believers, when we say, oh, we have the fruits, then we must ask ourselves the question, am I being kinder to people? Am I being more loving to people? Am I being a man or a woman of peace? Am I a person who is operating in the spirit of uh, 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 consistency towards that spirit that God expects me to bear? What kind of fruits do you bear in your life? See, God will make us reliant so that He can develop these characters in us. The health of a tree is measured by its fruitfulness. Are we experiencing God's blessing? We know um, Brother Victor planted a tree outside just, just next to the junction and 2018 he planted that tree and if only Christmas this past year allowed us to put lights on that tree, we would have done it. You, could, you, you see that tree growing. He comes and he places wood pieces around it so that it would grow straight and not slant one way or the other. And, and, it's, and it's fascinating that that tree is a symbol of it being, being well-fed from the ground. That tree is a symbol of the sun shining and the natural resources being on it is sufficient in order for it to flourish. And that's true not only with a tree, but that's true even with our lives. That the health of a tree, equally the health of a Christian is measured by how much we look like Jesus. Are we experiencing, the question is simply this, do we, are we experiencing God's blessing in our lives? If He is our wine, if we are dependent on Him, if we are the branches that protrude out of the vine that we call Jesus, then the question is, do we see the blessing of God flowing through our lives? Or is there a curse at work that you're constantly going through one problem after another? There's perpetual shortages or there's perpetual mind, mental torment or there's perpetual assault against your walk with God and there are things just not going well. Is there a constant curse that's actively at work in your life or do you see the blessing? Do you see the promises of God? Do you see liberality? Do you see breakthrough flowing 
through your life because that is the evidence of a Christian who is truly relying on God. Luke 13 verses 7, then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on the fig tree and find none. What did Jesus say? Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? God never had a problem removing something that is barren. Because it doesn't bring him glory. Are you with me? In other words, God has no qualms removing. God has no qualms cutting it off completely. We see the Bible says He doesn't only prune, but He takes away. Because when God sees that you and I, instead of bringing people closer to God, our lives are taking them further from God. God says, cut it down. And the only way to be restored back to that vine is one word, repentance. God, I'm sorry. That, that's the mystery of God. How does God do that is beyond us. But God is able to attach your life back to Him. God has no qualms cutting it off. God has no qualms removing it from His life-giving source of nutrient. God has no qualms saying, cut it down. Matthew 21, 19, this, this spirit of barrenness seemed to have offended Jesus always. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves and said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. I begin to ponder if this is true with some Christians. You don't see God moving. You don't see God bringing those promises to pass. All you seem to find is just trouble upon trouble upon trouble. And I think the real issue is because we have tried solving problems ourselves without depending on God as the life-giving source. And when that becomes the case, our frustration refuses the fruit or the growth and the flourishing process to be at work in our lives. And so God doesn't see what He wants to see in us because we have chosen not to trust Him. We have chosen to do things ourselves. And God, and God said to the fig tree, let no fruit grow on you ever again. I don't want God to say that to me. Let no fruit, until you repent, until you come to that place of seeking for my forgiveness that you have tried by choice, depending on your own strength, depending on your own ability, being so filled with pride and arrogance, until you repent of that spirit, I will not attach you back. Nothing will grow from you. I think this is what God calls judgment. 
This is where we must measure our Christian walk with God. By the fruitfulness. Am I growing? Am I maturing? Am I drawing closer to God? Am I getting more intimate with God? Fruitfulness is incredibly vital to the Christian life. Make a statement to you, fruitfulness is linked to faithfulness. When a believer remains faithfully dependent on God, he becomes fruitful. Fruitfulness is indeed a sign of faithfulness. When fruitfulness is present, when there is fruits that are birthing, there are fruits that are produced in your life, there are fruits that are present, fruitfulness leads to fulfillment. A fruitful person is a fulfilled person. You will never have to look for satisfaction elsewhere when you see God giving you the blessings, the promises, and your life is filled with the fruits that God has given you. Life will become fulfilled. Life will become satisfying. Life will become so solidly exciting because when you have fruitfulness, when God gives you, when God begins to pour out fruitfulness, He's making you more like Him. He's blessing everything you touch. He's giving you favor with place, in places and with people that you've never had favor. The blessing is flowing because you've decided to faithfully remain dependent on God, that brings fulfillment. Nothing can be more satisfying in life than being filled with God. Being dependent on God doesn't eliminate our responsibility as a person. Rather, it demands that we consciously to choose to do it God's way. True dependence is an attitude that simply says, I need God. It reflects how much we really need God. A refusal, true dependence is the choice of refusing to do life without God being involved. That means I will pursue this. I will pursue this deal. I will pursue this project. I will pursue this calling. I will pursue this plan. Whatever it may be, I will pursue it, but I will not do it without God. That is true dependence. It's the choice of refusing to do life without God. It is the choice of saying, you know what? I need you, God. Dependence requires weakness. It requires a sense of vulnerability. We depend when we are weak. We depend when we know we need help. But you know what is the most thrilling and fulfilling moments in life? Really, the truly, the, the true most fulfilling and thrilling moments in life is found when we are actually dependent on God. Not when you get something, 
But when God does something, why is that so? Why is that so? Because you begin to feel closer to God than ever. And when you are in love with Jesus, when you are intimate with Jesus, everything else around you seems so tame and seems so, um, the word I'm thinking about, it seems so faded compared to the colours that Jesus brings into your life. This is the power of dependency. That when you rely on God, every day you're praying, every day you're seeking, every day you turn to Him, you're not just praying for the sake of, you are praying with earnestness, you are praying with, God, I need you, God. Touch me, I cannot do this on my own. I'm saddened with the number of Christians who have not seen God move in the miraculous in their life. Can I say to you right here, it is true, miracles happen. You do not have to doubt that or question that. I know some people want to study it, some people want to... But can I tell you, the common denominator to every miracle that has happened is desperation plus dependence. Dependency. A desperate and dependent person always sees God move miraculously. So let's close then with the silence of dependence. Because one of the things you find in this passage is you find a correlation that the vine is present there it stems from the root. The vine, the Bible says, is beginning to grow and as the vine grows, the branches begin to grow and bear fruits. And it's true, beloved, that you don't hear a whole lot of blaring from the vine or even from the branches. You don't hear a whole lot of noise coming from it. And I say to you that silence of dependence, the silence of dependence produces fruitfulness. I read a story about a man who was, shot, who was, who was talking about going into a factory. He said the noise in the factory is usually deafening. You have to wear earplugs just to avoid bodily harm. Can you imagine taking a nap Near an assembly line, the sounds of air compressors, pistons and other loud machines would make it nearly impossible. It takes a lot of noise to produce a car. On the contrary, have you ever walked into an orchard? The steel, the calm, the birds singing all evoke a great sense of peace and tranquility. Can you imagine stretching out under the shade of the vines and just resting? It doesn't take much noise to produce fruit. That's the profound truth about dependence. That fruitfulness in dependence is found in the silence. How does that relate to us? You see, the proof of your life abiding in Christ is silent, yet flourishing. So how do I know that my life is indeed reliant to God and in Christ? How do I know that I'm abiding to the vine? 
Simple, there will be no noise, no nickels, no, what's the word they use? No nickels and dimes, no, 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 you know, loud blaring noises, you know, like a factory. But the proof is in the produce. And I say that because I want to establish a point to you. How does it happen? The fruitfulness factor is a mystery of God. It's a process that can only be measured by time. But you can never make sense of how it happened. You can wake up one day and say, what, what happened to me? I feel so different today. Why am I not yelling and screaming at people anymore? What, what, where, where did that patience come from? Or why am I so much more loving and kinder? What happened to me? Because somewhere, the mystery of God, the fruitfulness factor in the silence of life was birthed in us. I've heard it, and I'll tell you, people who talk a lot rarely be, are rarely fruitful. If they have to say something about everything in life, sometimes you just got to be silent. I don't understand what God is doing. I don't know, but I'm not going to complain. I'm just going to keep my heart right. I'm going to be silent and I'm going to be patient. And the mystery of that fruit that begins to grow. Mark chapter 4, 26 to 27, I want you to look at this. He said the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the, sh and the seed should sprout and grow, he himself does not know how. How did that happen? He stored the seed. He scattered the seed. He went to bed at night, and the next day he wakes up, and all of a sudden there's a tree. This sounds like Jack and the Beanstalk. Right? And how did it happen? Where did this come from? How did this happen? It's unexplainable. But God in His supernatural ability, when a person is dependent on God, this is why we don't know how it happens, except that we know that God will make it flourish. God will make it fruitful when we are dependent on Him. I make a statement to you, longevity produces fruitfulness. When we remain, I use the word remain on purpose, when we stay rooted, when we remain un in, when we remain immovable, when we stay foundationed upon our faith in God, we may not see much happening. I know we want to see God doing the 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 you know akradabra whatever you say you know uh, or you want God to do the fantastical you want God to do something that blows your mind immediately you want to see breakthrough in areas of your life just like boom immediately but we know that God doesn't just give us what we want he develops us to prepare us to give us the fruits and i found people who stay silent Wait on God. Stay faithful. Remain rooted. They may not see much happen now, but time will reveal that God flourishes those 
that remain. So when that vine is attached to that, that branch is attached, you may not see much happening. But one day when you go back and you look at that tree, you're like, wow, what, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. The mystery, miracle, power of God's factoring fruitfulness is what happened. That God allowed that tree that depended when the natural, we know God is life-giving. We don't even have to question the vine. God has all the resources to flourish the branch. This is a generation there of quitters. They give up so easily. Throw in the towel. Those who remain in God, but those who continue to obey, those who would do right, it is them that God will flourish. And I say this carefully to you this evening because I understand a people, there are branches that are attached to the vine. You come to church, you read the Bible. In fact, you pray occasionally. But there seems to be no fruitfulness. Can I challenge you? Can I challenge you tonight? Don't become complacent. You are supposed to have fruits that bear witness to your Creator. I was reading a story of a man who went into Africa he shared a story about a man who, a man shared a story about another man who was an older gentleman. This man was in, the, in his 80s, in his 80s. And this man who was actually a missionary came up to this preacher and he shared this story with this preacher. He said, God is not finished yet. There are multitudes yet to be saved who today are far from Christ, but one day will come to the Lord. This older gentleman went on and shared with the preacher. He said, I served in a Muslim country for 30 years. We saw almost no converts. That was true for many of the missionaries who served in the Muslim lands in the 20th century. For various reasons, Muslim evangelism has been very slow work, often encountering slow, strong opposition. But the man with the crew, uh, the man, he, he had a crew cut hair, uh, hairstyle. The man with the crew cut, the older man, was smiling because he said thousands of Muslims are coming to Christ today through satellite TV that reaches into the homes all over the Middle East. Because it comes in by satellite, the various governments can do little to stop it. Many Muslims are not only hearing the good news for the first time, they are responding to it. The man who told me this showed not a trace of regret for the 30 years he spent in a Muslim country with no converts. He is rejoicing that he lived long enough to see God move in a mighty way to bring Muslims the Muslims to the personal faith in Jesus Christ. 30 years of no convert. 
30 years of no fruit, 30 years of seeing no results of his labor, nothing to show for all that he has done. There is nothing, no fruits that are there. But he stayed reliant on God. He didn't remove himself from the vine. He stayed dependent on the vine. And 30 years later, this is what I'm saying, in the silence, you just do. You just do. You just do what is right. And in the time when God says it's fruitful, it's time for you to be fruitful. The fruitfulness factor will kick in. And God will bless that labor. So my challenge tonight is that we will take a good look in our own lives. Who's our vine tonight? Is it our husband, our wife? Or is it Jesus? I want to just show you a video as we close tonight. Just a short four-minute video. And I want you to listen to the words of this pastor. I have the story with me. But I want you to listen to the words of this man. And I want you to allow God to just speak to you tonight as we go ahead. Can we play that video, please? on a train to get to a hotel that they came up two by two in these elevators as, so as to not draw any attention. And then they got to a hotel room, a little apartment uh, room. It's only about 700 square feet in the little living room, no air conditioning, hardwood floor, 22 sat there. I came in and when you teach in China, you start at eight in the morning and you don't get done till five at night. You teach the whole day. They were sitting there, all 22 of them, and I looked around and I said, now, if we get caught, what will happen to me? They said, oh, you'll get deported in 24 hours and we'll go to prison for three years. I said, you're kidding. How many of you have been in prison for your faith? Out of 22, 18 raised their hands. I thought, no way. And I looked at him and I said, you, you 22 people, how many people do you oversee? Because they were all of these small group leaders, underground church leaders in the Hunan province. I said, how many, if you counted up all the people under your jurisdiction, how many would it be? And they counted them up and they said, little over 20 million. I said, what? See, we forget there's 1.3 billion people in China. This is crazy. Well, I had 15 Bibles and I passed them out. Obviously, seven didn't get them. And I said, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read it. And just then, one lady handed hers to somebody next to her. And I thought, hmm, interesting. Well, we turned there anyway. And as we started reading it, I understood why she gave it away. She had memorized the whole thing. She just recited the whole chapter. When it was done, I went over to her at a break and I said, you, you, you recited the whole chapter. She says, oh yes, I've memorized many chapters. I said, where did you memorize many chapters? She said, in prison. She said, you have much time in prison. 
So I said, but don't they confiscate the Bible? And she said, yes. So people bring in scriptures written on pieces of paper and they bring it in. So I said, but then if they find that piece of paper on you, won't they confiscate that? She said, oh yes, that's why you memorize it as fast as you can. Because <laughs> even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. I thought, wow. Well, after three days, you fall in love with these people. And when it was done, I, I said, how can I pray for you? I'm going to go back to America. And you guys have been just so wonderful. How can I pray for you? They said, you know, Wayne, you guys can gather like this whenever you want to in America. We can't. Could you pray that one day we'll be just like you? And I looked at him and I said, I will not do that. Big incredulous eyes looked at me and they said, why? <laughs> I said, because you guys rode a train for 13 hours to get here. In my country, if you've got to drive more than an hour, people don't come. You sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than 40 minutes, they leave. You sat not only here for three days on a hard wooden floor, but you did it without air conditioning. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people don't often come back. In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family. We don't read any of them. You hardly have any Bibles, and you memorize them from pieces of paper. I will not pray that we become like, uh, you become like us, but I will pray that we become just like you. Amen. And so, I wonder tonight if prosperity and success, we seem to sing that song always, don't we? People in this world must have more success, greater prosperity. But I wonder whether those are the very virtues that draw us away from God and in fact, make us less dependent on God. Abraham Lincoln made the 30th of April a day of fasting and prayer. And in that proclamation, he spoke these words. He wrote this down. And I'm just going to read the last portion of that to you. The awful calamity of civil war, which now desolates this land, may be a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to God that made us. We have grown in numbers, wealth and power as no other nation has grown, but we have forgotten God. So I wonder tonight if we are praying, saying, God, you know what? Bless me and give me increase and multiply. And I think God honors and 
does answer those prayers. But I think God is very selective because those very things can take people away from God. But when he sees that indeed there is a man, a woman, a couple who can be trusted with it and still remain dependent on God, then he causes them to continue flourish, bear fruits, multiply. But the key factor here, and what he said in that video, is simply when dependence on God is no longer needed, people forget God. So I challenge you tonight, wherever you are at in life, how blessed and successful you may be, never lose your dependence on God because that's where the fruit and the multiplication and the blessing and the promises exist tonight. I want you to bow your heads with me.